Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig, and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. Hello, Fergus. Hello, Paul. Hi, Dave. Uh, this is getting rather repetitive, isn't it? Three of us doing the same thing for about what feels like 20 fucking years. Sat in the same rooms, talking about the same football matches again and again and again. Um, but let's do it again. Uh, how... <laughs> <laughs> If the listeners aren't pumped for this, I am. Yeah, I mean, how have you been, though, in your life, Dave? How are you within yourself? I'm all right. My little one's just at that terrible two stage where he's being a right little prick. But it's good. It's funny. Like, it's the kind of thing where he has a little tantrum about not wanting yoghurt anymore. And he screws up his face and he he acts, acts the prick. And while we tell him off, we still find it quite endearing. So that's nice. Sure, it's all right. When you, have you started um, corporal punishment yet? Where are you with that? I mean, I shake him. I mean, that's fine, right? That's fine. That's, yeah, it's expected. It just builds up like muscle strength, doesn't it? Builds up the immune system, I think. Yeah. So, um, one thing that needed shaking this week was um, the Newcastle United squad shaking. Back into form, uh, which they're a long way off. <laughs> that good? Was that professional? Um, so, uh, since our last podcast, we've played two games. Um, when we recorded the last podcast, we had just lost 3 0 to Arsenal and 1 uh, 0 to Sheffield United. Things were looking pretty grim. We were on a poor run of form. We hadn't scored a goal in a long time. And uh, we were worried that we might be tumbling into a relegation battle and that we had a manager who didn't, couldn't seem to work out how, what he was doing 
but was for some reason unsackable. For you, Paul, did the Aston Villa cha- game change anything for you there? No, the Villa game was as bad, if not worse, than the ones before. Maybe slightly better than the Sheffield United game. But I know, uh, Bruce said afterwards he could see improvement, and I wasn't. I wasn't able to see any improvement, but I, I think I have to give it. I switched off at half time for that one because there's so many Newcastle games at the minute, and they've all felt the same, and they've been so draining. I think I reached just breaking point of thinking. Like, I think Aston, yeah, the Aston Villa game was a slightly better performance in the same way that maybe you could say that Jeffrey Dahmer is a slightly better person than Harold Shipman because he killed people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I don't think that I, I didn't see any improvements at all, um, and the way that we, again, were just passive and 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 easy to play through and stuff. If he was, if if that Sheffield game was a reaction to anything, we didn't see it. If the Villa game was a reaction to anything, we didn't see it. I think we only saw a reaction in the Leeds game. Um, so I mean, there's there's not much to talk about in the Billy game. We didn't have, um, I, I can't remember any good chances that we we had, and I can't remember any big saves that they had to make. It was the, the significant thing that happened in the Villa game, where things did change a little bit, uh, was that um, Saint Maximin came on in the second half, didn't he, along with Fraser. Um, and for about three or four minutes, it felt like there was a bit of an impetus. And we were reminded how St. Maximum is a much more dynamic footballer than pretty much anyone else we have in the squad. Um, I thought it was interesting. We Again, we did that thing where I think we started with five at the back against Villa. Mm. Just like we'd done. It's like we decided to, it's like we're doing this weird mind trick where we, we decide to play passively and deep against teams that where we should be winning the game and we play more attacking against teams like Arsenal with much better squads. It's, it's, it's an odd way of doing things. Mm. It, yeah. it is. And I think, I think this, this ties into something again, like, like you said at the very beginning, with it's, it's the same, we're talking about the same games and the same players were poor like Hendrik and Shelby the same players were okay like Darlow um, Hayden was forced into centre-back when he's arguably our I mean he's not our most talented central midfielder but he's arguably our best central midfielder and he's been I think he's our most in. important probably mm. yeah and it's it's I, he we could have played like that formation that we've been talking about all, all fucking season, the four three, the four two three one, we could have played it even without St. Maxman on the pitch from the start. So again, like switching formations up, um, it, it can't be helping the players. It is, it is odd that I mean, I, I've I've been defending Bruce for a long time, usually pretty. Genuinely, like I've said many times, it just the whole general feeling annoyed me. But Sheffield United was a turning point for me. And now, like, you know how the recent converts are the most, are the biggest zealots? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like that. It is, 
should say if Fergus is writing on a bed sheet as we do this podcast and <laughs> is about to drive <laughs> Newcastle. It is insane. The the un. It's like do you remember when um, we used to have players like Luar Luar, for example. He was the biggest example. And when Shearer was interviewed about Luar Luar, he was clearly really frustrated by Luar Luar. He would always say, "Well." no one knows what he's going to do at any one time. And, you know, if I don't know what he's going to do, then the opposition certainly don't know what he's going to do. So that was his, like, positive spin on, what the fuck are you doing, Luala? <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's the spin on Steve Bruce. It's like, no one knows what he's going to do. What the, No one has an idea of what the who's going to be on the team sheet, what the formation is going to be, where... where players are going to be playing within that formation no one has a fucking clue all we know is that jeff hendrick is undroppable <laughs> i think as well he'll play five at the back most of the season complain that it's because it's the only system the players know then one week explode because that's it the gloves are off we're doing it my way for now on go four at the back for the next game, and then the next two games after that, straight back to five at the back. It's like there's... It's I, like the have whole... you seen The Prestige? The film with yeah. Uh, yeah. Christopher Nolan. Hugh Jackman and Bale. Yeah. yeah. The, the twist, at, spoiler alert for uh, people who haven't watched it, but Christian Bale basically plays twins, but you don't find out till the end. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that's going on with Bruce. There's two of him. That's why you get all these contradictory things coming out. Maybe one of them picks the team. The other one does the press. I feel like it's going to turn out that in another universe, there's a Steve Bruce playing Newcastle United on Football Manager, and the whole of his tenure has been done in one night on meth. (laughs) (laughs) Just... Oh, I'll change the formation again. No, what have I put them that right? Hey, in the defence now. Right, what have I <laughs> Right, the oh, oh, press conference. Right, what am I going to say? We're doing things my way now. No, right, okay. I'm just <laughs> I think as well, we've got a we've got an injury crisis amongst our defenders. Let's go five at the back. Stick some midfielders back. Yeah. It's like you can do this really unconventional thing of playing a back four. It does seem yeah. to work for a lot of teams. I've got absolutely no problem with five at the back. It's the fact that, like, no, no. one has a fucking clue whether he's going to do it or not. And yeah. it doesn't seem to be like have any kind of. Um, but I think all his changes as well, they feel like rolls of the dice, where it's like this combination mm. of players starting in these positions didn't work. Let's try another one. It doesn't feel like there's a philosophy behind it of we'll do this, it will enable us to counter-attack or pick off this team's weaknesses by doing the following. It's just like, I thought, stick the ball boy on. He looks keen. This could work. So before um, tonight's podcast, because uh, I didn't see much of the Leeds game because I don't have BT Sport um, or a massive desire to watch us at the moment. And um, it was, uh, you know, bedtime and all that. So I... Um, I watched, just before we did the podcast, I watched uh, the match of the day from last night, the Leeds game. And I thought Bruce had gone for something really mental because 
I don't know if you saw Match of the Day last night, but when they put up the lineups, Muto was in our lineup. <laughs> <laughs> On Match That's of the Day last night, they had Muto playing for us. I had to double check. I was like, what? Isn't he, is he still our player? He's on loan, isn't he? He's on loan, but he's still Ibar. Ibar, yeah. So that's mental. Was it wasn't in reaction to the Aston Villa game that the club banned the written press media from the press conferences? I think it was in reaction was that to after Bruce's, the Leeds. It was after the Sheffield United press conference where Bruce said we were shite. And hmm. the written media were banned because they'd reported that. Which just Scumbags. Seems... I thought, where's the story in that? Premier League manager coming out saying we were shite and they, they think that's fit to print. It's disgraceful. Well, I, I, the, the reason I mention it is because it's, it, it, it plays into my belief that he is, he's, he, he's aware now that the, the writing's on the wall for him. Um, I th- he's definitely he never had the fans but I think he's lost the players and I think we saw that in the Leeds game because the way he set them up the first half was just more of the same it was passive it was a low block nobody was really putting in a shift and it was only in the second half that we started to see even before St Maximum's introduction we started to see them the players taking on responsibility and the players actually you know putting it putting in a shift because it felt to me like I didn't catch the first half because uh, like like Fergus it was bedtime for the little lad so I was I was doing that um but the second half it felt like like a must-win game for a relegation side um that they lost it felt like fuck it's you know we have to now put a shift in because we're in we're in deep shit yeah, the um, first half, I would say, felt like we'd set up to be just keep a clean sheet, don't lose. Five at the back, even though it's not been working. And where we started to look better was when, in reaction to Leeds' goal, we went to that four-two-three-one, albeit with our best midfielder now at right back. I think but, all, all season, we've, uh, for whatever reason, performed a lot better in the second half most of the time. And certainly where we've scored most of our goals has been in the second half. Um, if I, I wonder, what, we're, we're clearly understandably a very a team lacking a, a lot of confidence. Um, I feel like Steve Bruce lacks a lot of confidence in himself, in the team, in what he's doing. I think he, he's scared and I think that's that's passing through to the players that they don't have confidence in him they don't have confidence in themselves because of the situation and and his lack of confidence is uh, playing into how we're playing like in terms of sitting so deep I think he goes into every game terrified of losing therefore precipitating a situation where we're more likely to lose yeah (laughs) you sort of think we'd be better off if we started the game telling the players we're one nil down. Sure. Yeah. I, I think also the the what you say, I, I agree with it. I think that when he sets us up, he's setting us up to to not concede, to not lose. And like you say, he doesn't have the confidence in the system. So that when we do go a goal behind or when we go into a, the 
when we do go in at, at half time and it, we've not been playing well, at that point he goes, "Fucking, just go for it, lads. Just you know, you 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 know what to do out there. You you go ahead and you like get the ball to out to maximum or get the ball up quickly." And that's the only instruction I can see him giving. I can't. He doesn't have the the same kind of game management that we see from you know from Bielsa or from even like Potter and, and, and managers like that. That's I agree entirely. I, I think he's he's so far out of his depth and he fucking knows it. I've, did you see that short clip? Um, it, it was, I think it was at the very, very end of, of the, the Zoom call that they use as press conference. And he he finishes a call and he rubs his face and he says something along the lines of fucking hell or Oh God, or something like that, and he's like head in his hand, and he looks—he looks a beaten man. And I like sure. Well, he knows that it's sort of—he's in an irretrievable situation. He said on Match of the Day that um, he's never been on a run this bad in his career. I would have thought he probably has, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, may, maybe not. But um, I think the other—did you see the other clip from this week, which I thought was quite telling, which was St. Maximin being interviewed? at training mm. Dwight Gale walks past in the background I can't remember what he said it's something like saviour's here saviour's here that was it and looked really surly about it you sort of think that I mean you can see why that view is going around training because it is it's the view of the manager and to be fair most of the fans that we mm. are going to be the, the, on the, this one man the killer is that um, a better manager wouldn't be so reliant on Alan St. Maxman. Mm. So the, and also let's not forget Dwight Gale has, has never convinced me that he's not a massive prick. So I wouldn't like, even if, even if, you know, we were doing fine, I'd imagine him to have little snarky digs, but there's a bit uh, of Bellamy without the goals. I think with Dwight Gale. Yeah, there's definitely is. I think, I think once, if if Alanson Maxman can stay fit, and if we can get him, Fraser, and Almiron playing behind Wilson, in like in a similar way to we ended the game against Leeds, we saw how many chances we we create. I think we we had twenty two shots, which is more than we've managed in the previous three games total. So twenty two shots in that game. I think if we can do that. Players like Wilson, and if he can get on the pitch, Gale and all the rest of it, will have more chances to score. Um, we'll be all right. It's getting them fit. And even though that is his one plan, it's a plan that should give us enough points to stay up. I've always felt like Dwight Gale looks um, like a really stressed single mum in the lead-up. <laughs> Or like a single mum when a cop comes to a um, a dodgy neighbourhood. In an ITV1 police drama. Yeah, we don't want you lot around here. We don't. We told you don't come up in this neighbourhood no more. <laughs> Where's this programme set? Well, going, well, you said ITV, so then I changed the accent, but I was initially going to go for something uh, in North America. Anyway, that's see. my Dwight Gale. And if we it's were to be talking point. about thanks, if we were to be talking about the Leeds game in isolation, then mm-hmm. I think we'd probably look back and say, um, "Well, 
it wasn't quite working in the first half, but uh, we were a lot, be- lot better in the second half and it just wasn't our night. Because, I mean, at XG, we would, we were, we had a, our XG was twice as big as Leeds. We could have, we hit the bar twice. We could have easily won that game. But, I mean, one of the key things was because we're, one, it isn't a game in isolation. It's a, a, on the back of a terrible run of form. And two, because we are so unconfident, when we do get those chances, that XG should be a lot lower because we're a lot less likely to score them. Like when Jamal Lewis had that really good chance mm. where a player who was confident would have just hit that first time. And you would yeah, have said he strong chance of scoring but he looked terrified just like he's looked for the whole time he's been with us I think I think if you if you were to drop that leads the performance into previous seasons under any manager you would have said as you know we didn't start well but it was a decent second half performance but unfortunately it just wasn't our day but like you say because it's because that performance the performance against Liverpool um they're in this season and we got one point from them. Um, that's not good enough. That's that's the issue. Like we can have like having a having a bad day at the office is fine when when you're comfortable mid table. But the position that we're in, that game against Leeds, it was a must win. Win that game and the conversation changes and we, we yes, it's there's been disappointment and all the rest of it, but you'd still be confident that we would kick on to safety. Yeah, we're talking about we're talking about noughts out of tens to sixes out of tens, and they're all losses. Yeah, <laughs> I think as well, there's a lot made of we we looked better second half against Leeds, definitely attacking wise, but every time they came forward, they looked like scoring, and we could have easily conceded mm. four or five goals. Well, still, yeah. I think with if Saint Maximin can play a fair few minutes this season. I think the other thing is well, Almiron looks to be coming into form and we at least seem to be setting up to sort of use him more centrally. Yeah, let's talk about the goal. Let's talk about something positive. Please. Lovely Why goal. It was yeah. a really, really nice goal. Um, Shelby into Lewis, um, into Wilson, Wilson. Yeah, Shelby further forward as well, which I think is safer for us. You sort of don't mm-hmm. want him anywhere near the two in front of the back four. But you'd have to, that was, I think I said at the time in the WhatsApp group, that was the most enjoyable moment from us since the Palace game when we won it right at the end. That was one of, you know, it would have been lovely if we'd have actually got some kind of result out of last night because that was one of the highlights of the season. Yeah, (laughs) we probably deserved a point last night as well, I think. Yeah, and I think if we had got a point, people would have. Like the the furore on Twitter would have been market like it would have been less by orders of magnitude, but because it ended in a loss, people like like we were alluding to can't can't separate that game from the rest of the season. So mm. absolutely, if 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 that goal had given us the point, and I certainly would have been much more confident about us, you know, playing that way in the future. 
Because sure. then surely it's just a case of Bruce saying, well, you did it against Leeds in the second half. You got a point. These are the way that you you keep on playing into the next few games. Yeah, but no matter what happened last night, is if, if Bruce turns it around now where he wins the fans over, then, I mean, that, that they would make a film out of that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's ever going to get the fans on side. And I think that's absolutely right because I don't think it's just his his poor performance as a manager. I think it's the the way he's acting in the, the press and the press conferences and his like just bingo card of excuses. Like he constantly blames the injury list. And we do have a long injury list, but then caveats that by saying, but I'm not one to make an excuse, but we've had lots of injuries, but I'm not here to make excuses, but I don't think we got the calls today, but I'm not here to make, you know, that shit all adds up and also saying that we're too demanding and we've got to appreciate, like we've got to realise where we are as a club and all that shit. He's never going to get the fans on side. Yeah, I think the other other slightly depressing thing about, it says a lot about the stature of the club that a good or an okay-ish 45 minutes in a defeat at home against a mid-table side is enough to keep the manager safe. Yeah. It feels like it was. It feels like that's bought him at least two extra games. Yeah. So we're going to have a break now. I think we've done Villa and Leeds. Uh, but after the break, we've got some questions and comments from uh, lot on social media. And I think Dave has got a game for us. We're going to try and cheer ourselves up with a game so that we don't get in the same circular, depressing conversation. So, uh, Quick break, then some social media stuff, and then a game. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean, and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Good break, guys. Lovely. Yeah, super good. Fantastic. Um, so I'm going to go straight in on Twitter and we'll answer these uh, questions quickly because I'm very keen to, to play this game. Uh, so the first question is from One Up Gaming. And he says, if the Master Steve Bruce... Uh, played amazingly beautiful attacking football and finished 10th to 13th in the league. Would you be happy with this or has his time come to an end and any change is for the better in your opinion? Um, I mean, that's a hell of a hypothetical, basically, if he suddenly becomes, what, Klopp, (coughs) would would I? Or more like Bielsa, I reckon. Well, I would let, let's put it in the realm of the possible. I think it's possible that we could end up finishing tenth and between tenth and thirteenth, and I think it's possible that we could do it playing 
somehow find themselves on a run of thought form with St. Maximum getting back into the side and Fraser reaching full fitness and somehow it clicks and we play some attacking football and we manage to finish there. Does it make Steve Bruce redeemable? No, probably not. He'll just, he'll probably, we've got ourselves in such a rut as a fan base that it'll probably will be kind of miserable about it because it means it'll win him another season. I mean, what do you think, Paul? I think it's not it's not beyond all hope. I think if we're on such a good winning run that we end up, say, top half of the table, then I think fans would probably forgive that. Sure, yeah. Or a large chunk would. My yeah. the, other, the second half of the question is the bit, not that worries me, but... I don't think any change is better than Bruce. I think we as a club know that. We wanted Pardew out, but we got... Uh, what's his name? Carver. Carver. That was a worse move. After mm. after Keegan, we got Joe Kinnear. This is a club that can always appoint someone worse. But if our form doesn't pick up, you'd have to say there must be... I mean, there's definitely better options out there, and I would imagine there are better options who would come to Newcastle. Whether we'll give them time to do that, I'm not sure. Well, there is, yeah, just... there is, we might as well mention it quickly, but there is someone who is coming to Newcastle. We've got a new coach coming in. I've never had so much hype about it. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Like, so many news stories about it. I guess, one, there's always a desperate need for news about Newcastle within the local media and Plymouth fans. And two we're in such a situation that it becomes a story that a coach is coming in because is he going to save our season or whatever? But I think there was, I think there was, to be fair, in Newcastle, a palpable sense of relief as soon as that news was announced. (laughs) Everyone just relaxed and thought it's... The, the board understood. I, I honestly the is here, and they've fixed it. No, I, it's not like we're Gus Hiddink or something. No. <laughs> it's like some guy who managed Luton or something. Yeah, got them into second bottom in League One, I think. Yeah. I mean, he, he's he's been a he was a coach with um, Roberto Martinez at um, Swansea, and then he's you know he, he's ticked along and he's he's he's. <laughs> He's had a few coaching roles and he was last at Bournemouth. Um, it was weird that it was it was basically, in my eyes, it was an announcement to take some focus away from, you know, the, the, the football and how bad it's been. I think because we're not going to make any big signings, because we're, if anything, we're going to get a couple of lone people in. It's just, it's a way to deflect. If he it's improves our set piece... The dead cat coach. Yeah. I don't know that term. It's like a dead cat bounce. Anytime there's a news story, anytime the government fucks up, there's always people on Twitter saying, ah, they've done that deliberately to deflect from the real news. No, they're just incompetent. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking um, Speaking of incompetence and bringing in a coach, uh, Zachet or Zachet, on our Twitter says, which celebrity coach would you bring in to the Newcastle Math podcast in order to help Fergus with his presenting duties? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. That seems like a dig. No one answered that question. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> I think that's more you than the Bruce analogy. You to- yeah, John Carver. <laughs> yeah. yeah, take John Carver. I would love to listen to a podcast 
about uh, presented by John Carver. <laughs> yeah. I reckon it'd be about demolishing chimneys. And <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt Erickson says we played about 17 minutes of, of what could be called football in the second half. He's talking about Leeds there. Crisis over. No. Yeah, I think it's more of a, a comment than a question. Uh, Zachet or Zachet, um, you know, this prick. Here he goes again. <laughs> <laughs> if, <laughs> if Bruce is happy with plucky losing performances against teams we ought to beat, where do you think our points are going to come from, considering we still have to play the likes of Spurs, Liverpool, Man U and... Chelsea, I mean, we, we do, I mean, a lot of sides in our position often say this, don't they? But we do seem to actually pull out better performances often against those well, We have sides. taken points off two of those teams this season as well. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a fair point though. At the moment, it's, it's hard to look at the upcoming fixtures and see where the points are coming from. Mm. But hopefully something's about to change. Sheffield United, last time I checked, are beating Man U. By the time you're listening to this, that's probably not the situation. Uh, Alex Bagley on Twitter says, our five best, most impressive players this season, and this is what he's saying, Hayden, Wilson, Darlow, Fernandez, Murphy. Okay. And our five worst, most disappointing players this season, Joe Linton, Shelby, Hendrick, Sean Longstaff, St. Maximin. Thoughts? <coughs> I think that's um, very harsh on St. Maximin. Mm. Or maybe it's the fact that he hasn't played that much that's made him disappointing, or the fact that the expectations of him are so high, and since he signed that contract, he didn't do much. I, I don't disagree with the best slash most impressive. I think, um, yeah, I think I think everybody you mentions there is right. I think I think the bar for Murphy is pretty low, so he hasn't really done much. But I think. Aside from the cheerleader for Murphy on this podcast, I think most people would say he's still not very good and he's still yeah. not contributing enough. He's not amazing. He's just someone who has become in my head because I've seen like two good crosses this season when he's come on. He's become in my head the saviour. Uh, George yeah. Yeah, well, says... pretty much at fault for Leeds' goal as well, Murphy. Sure. Mm. I think he's one of those players we've said before, he gets better every game he misses. Because you just remember. He is at that. least sort of dynamic in the final third. Yeah. He does try things. He does get past a player and do something. Oh, that was something from the Villa game where um it, Bruce did it again where he uh he took Andy Carroll off and then brought on somebody who could cross the ball for an Andy Carroll player to head away. You know, it was it's just maddening, maddening anyway. Okay. Jordi Ash says, I used to think Brucey seemed a nice bloke, even if the way he tries to talk posher than he is gets on my tits. Okay. But I'm sick of his bullshit. After last night's match, he had a beaming smile and talked like we'd won, even though we lost. Again, worst manager we've had under Ashley. <coughs> um, well, I know. Well, I mean, who knows? He's his own conversation. Top, yeah, I don't think he's top three for me. Top three worst. Yeah, I'd go Carver, Kinnear, McLaren. See, I think that's overly harsh on Kinnear because the season that he took over, the way that we were playing was fucking bang average. It was fine. We weren't going to go down under Joe Kinnear, but 
Um, John Carver, we 100% were going to go down. I mean, we were... We needed that win in the final game of the season against West Ham. So Carver's number one. And then for me, it's between McLaren and Bruce. Did you see the moment last night when Bielsa put his arms, his hands on Bruce's shoulders? Instead of sort yeah. of shaking hands or... or um, Snogging. Bumping fists or whatever it is they do now. He put his hands on... Uh, and. Uh, Bruce's shoulders and sort of gave him a what looked like quite a patronising. You're a good lad and you're doing very well. Don't worry. Don't let it get. It look like. I think Bruce said after the game that was him saying Newcastle deserved something out of the game, but it did look quite patronising. Sure, but yeah, yeah, they probably did. Uh, Theo Penn says percentage chance of Saudi takeover. I don't know, Theo. Plus Rafa reappointed manager sometime this year. Rafa reportedly said he had unfinished business to do at Newcastle to a Spanish reporter last week. I don't know if that refers to football or whether he's got like someone he needs to murder. In Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> um, the chances of the Saudi takeover happening this season, um, I would say are zero. Um, the chances that it might happen in the summer I don't know, 50-50. Uh, Benitez coming back to Newcastle without the takeover is zero. With the takeover is, again, about 50-50. I, I really don't want Benitez back. I just can't. Oh. I can't I'm not saying you're calling for it, no. but I know some people are. And I just cannot stand the thought of what the atmosphere will be around. I just, that whole Benitez call just annoyed me so much. I would rather go down to the Vanarama with Steve Bruce, never win another game for the next 10 years. <laughs> I you wouldn't mind don't it like so other much. people being happy. Yeah, I don't think it would be, be too bad. It's someone who at least I knows think... the club and knows what the weaknesses are with the squad. Mm. I, th- I think... Um, the right thing to do for a new owner would be to install a young progressive manager who's upwardly mobile with fresh ideas and all the rest of it. Bringing in Benitez, it would steady the ship. And like Paul says, he knows the club, he knows the weaknesses, he knows what outside of the first team needs investment. But yeah, I don't, I, I think there's better options out there. There must be better options. Like he's he's an elite level coach, but I just think that we shouldn't be we shouldn't be you don't you don't move forwards by going backwards thing is you know when so Benitez has just been sacked in China and do you remember when Richard Keyes said if Benitez wants a new player then he should buy them use his own money to buy them Benitez has just been earning 12 million a year in China so maybe actually now he should (laughs) maybe now he actually could afford to buy us a couple of decent players right Dave, let's do this game. Now, as I understand it, the game is you're going to give us the clubs. We're going to have a player, a mystery player, and you are going to uh, read out the clubs that they played for after Newcastle. And me and Paul are going to try and guess who that player is. Um, we have write our answers down so that we can both guess? Why don't we yeah, just but, have a guess after each? Yeah, club is announced after each uh, after each club. Okay, 
Um, and can, can, this this feature doesn't have a name. Can I suggest no. what we call it Life After Love? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Is that because you believe in life after love? Yeah, I believe in life after love. And I'm going to assume that the, because we're the greatest club in the world, <laughs> that they loved us. This is Dave Watson's so, Life After Love. You listen to Newcastle. Now. It needs a theme tune. Pour, some more, hot water in, pour some more hot water in that bath. It's time for Dave Watson's Life After Love. <laughs> See, if we were a proper podcast, proper production values, we could have made this really fun and then you could have read out the clubs in a sexy manner and would have like jazz clarinet playing but let's just um bumble through it like we bumble through everything else in our life i can stick some accordion over it in garage band if you want yeah we'll just like some wah, 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 wah. um all right first player after newcastle derby oh. uh i could can i can i have a guess mm-hmm. rob lee no oh can i have a guess Oh, there was someone. I've, someone really surprised me that they went to Derby. I've forgotten who it was. It was in the news the other week. Lauren Robert. No. Ooh. After Derby, QPR. Ooh. I don't know. I keep going. David Rosenhall. No. After QPR, Wimbledon. Carl Court. No. After no. Wimbledon. So long... Sorry, go this on. This was quite a long time ago. So this was quite a long time ago. That's the original Tell Wimbledon, it. I assume. Yeah, not AFC it's not Wimbledon. A- no, this is Wimbledon, Wimbledon. Ooh, and I the final... Yeah. Will Fox. No. Winter Spurs. Fergus. Oh, yeah. Fergus, do you want to guess? Um... Do you need me to repeat them? You know, go on. Is that it? No, there's one more club, but okay. I, the the final club is Dagenham and Redbridge. Okay. Um, oh, this is hard. This is really hard. So I'll run through them again. Derby. Can you, as an extra clue QPR. after this, give us the clubs before Newcastle? Yeah. Absolutely. So Derby, hard. QPR, Wimbledon, Dagenham, and Redbridge. After There'll be Newcastle. listeners. There'll be listeners shouting the answer in their baths. Definitely. Okay. The club he started his career at was Maidstone. Then he joined Wimbledon. Warren Barton. Then he joined... Yes, Warren Barton. Of course. That was hard. That was hard. Fair enough. Okay. Next one. After Newcastle, Derby. Robley. Rob Lee. Yeah. Straight away. Focus. <laughs> <laughs> Did Lauren go to Derby? I guessed it last time. I was actually right as well. Okay. Right. Yes, Robert did go to Derby. He was he was actually in the Derby side that got relegated as the worst team ever. Ah. Right. After Newcastle, Tottenham. You know that Rob Lee played more games for Charlton than he played for us. Didn't know that. Okay. So Spurs after Newcastle. Les Ferdinand. No. 
Fergus? Box. No. After Tottenham, Wolves. Ginola. No. Fergus? Who else went to Tottenham? Uh, oh, I've Sebastian got it. Oh, Fergus has nailed it. Oh. Sebastian Didn't he get Norwich between there? No, he went Tottenham Wolves, then Norwich. Yeah. Then Watford, then Peterborough, then Volos. Oh, I'm so good at this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last one. This is where we're going to put the uh, Life After Love singing again. <laughs> after, after Newcastle, he joined Hull. Ben Arthur. Yes, oh. Fergus is pulling out of me. Oh, damn it. Uh, that's it. That is life. Oh, I thought there were four. That was four, Paul. Oh, that was four. And I think I won 3 1. Yes, you did. Jesus. Warren Barton, Rob Lee, Sebastian Basson, HBA. Uh, well, Nailed I, it. I feel horny. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, next week, there's going to be more Life After Love, definitely. Yeah, more Life After Love next week, please. Okay. Yeah, see? And hopefully, you guys can play along at home. (laughs) We give the impression throughout every podcast of not knowing what the fuck we're talking about, or at least certainly I do, and then we have a game like that, and it turns out actually... I have stored quite a lot of completely useless knowledge. <laughs> Quick update uh, on other league scores. Um, Brighton Fulham has finished nil-nil, which I think is good result for us. Good as we could have hoped for. Sheffield United yeah. still beating Man U. Still, I don't think that really matters because no. I think Sheffield are sufficiently far. They're going down. Still, and I don't uh, think we're going to catch Man U. I actually. I actually controversially quite want my new to win the league, you know. That is really controversial, but of the You're options, wild. I don't want Liverpool to win it again. The current options, who are going to win it? I don't want Mourinho's Spurs to win, who oh, aren't really an option no. anymore anyway. The options are basically, oh, I don't want Man City to win. No. Just because I'm, I'm done with Man City at the moment. Liverpool this season, I, t- I don't think deserve it. Well, you've got Leicester I in third. I think they'd be my choice. Leicester would be the ex- would be the exciting win. one. Or West Ham in Beyond that, I quite like Man U at the moment. Yeah. I quite like a lot of their players. Good for them. Um, I think Leicester are losing at the minute. Yeah. Against Everton, Everton. we play on Saturday. Yeah. Well, if if Sheffield United have beaten Man United, maybe Sheffield United will win it. Maybe they'll win the league. Who knows? It'd be a heck of a run they need to go on. (laughs) But that's football. That's football, isn't it? Maybe they'll change the rules and it'll be last last team to win wins. Yeah. (laughs) Well, should we look ahead to the... Games Everton and Palace games, yeah. Okay, our next game is uh, this Saturday, lunchtime. Ugh, it's on BT again. Ugh, boring. Saturday lunchtime, it's against Everton. Away at Goodison Park. 
Everton uh, seem to have found some form. They're currently beating Leicester. They had a fantastic start to the season and uh, they're currently, as uh, as I look at the table right now, that might have changed by the time you listen to this, they're in fourth. So they are... Uh, my, my opinion was that they tailed off, but they are still having a pretty good season. You'd have to say that they are big favourites for the game. But we did have one of the most amazing results ever in the history of football against them last time when uh, our, in injury time, we were 2-0 down and we scored two goals, both courtesy of Florian Lejeune. That was at, at Goodison last season. We also had a pretty comfortable win over them this season, which was one of our more surprising mm. results. Yeah. Um, they, they, I think they've won like seven from the last 10 before tonight. They're in an unbelievable run of form. Okay, so um, predictions for the score? 3-0 loss. Fantastic. Paul? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, it de- yeah, I, I'm going to say one all. I'm going to be a wild optimist. Wild. There might be some complacency in their team and we might be confident from the second half of the Leeds game. I think it's as well, possible. Dave, you have to bear in mind this new coach is going to have been involved with players for <laughs> half a week. It's going to make a difference. Well, this new coach comes in with this like brand new formation that's never been seen in football. Well, there are rumours that we're going to have... players all down the right. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and for whatever reason, it's just stunning. It just te- it's just single file, 11 players, single file down the right. And it just... Just change, but they the kind game. of they swish like a whip as well when they attack. <laughs> Everyone goes in gradually. It'll be like the flying V in Mighty Ducks. And just keep the ball behind and then just play it around. It'll be, it'll be. No, we're going to lose three nil. Um, although we are supposed to be, there's rumours that we are picking up at least one player on loan this week, and it could be rickets. <laughs> Who is it? Uh, it's either the the names that have been mentioned before, you know, uh, Chowdhury, Williams or Willems. Have you seen as well, there's talk that Matt Ritchie might be going to Bournemouth. Oh, uh, on an exchange deal for Josh King? Not necessarily. I think he's on quite high wages because like every, every player who has one good game in every three, we've given him a massive new contract recently. But yeah, Bournemouth apparently sure. want him. Okay, fair enough. I'd, I'd be fine with I'd that. King, I wouldn't mind Josh King. But yeah, I'd say the only about, downside uh, of losing Matt Ritchie is character-wise, he's not the worst sort of person to have around in a relegation battle. True. I'd agree with that. And he is also a uh, the closest thing we've got to a utility player. Well, he is a utility player. He can... And the closest just, thing we've got to a psychopath. Closest thing we've got to a psychopath. And uh, the closest thing we've got to, I was going to say a Scottish player, but I would say uh, Ryan Fraser wins that award. So, um, okay, yeah, there we are. Uh, 
that next game is uh, Saturday lunchtime against Everton. And although Paul's predicted 1-1, I think we all, deep down in our hearts, aren't really confident about that game. I just thought of another positive from the Leeds game that we can end on. A positive. Some of the corner deliveries aren't absolute dog shit anymore. Yep. But okay, take place, that away with you, guys. In their place, our direct free kick taking has been crazy. Jesus, Paul, we're trying to end on a on an on an up. Let's let's end on an up. It's not the, natural. The corners were better. The corners were better. St. Maximum's coming back to full fitness. Ryan Fraser's coming back to full full fitness. Almiron scored. That front four, those three yeah. plus Wilson, it's got to give us more chances of beating teams like Crystal Palace, West Brom, Fulham, who we've still got to play. Yeah. And in the grand scheme of things, football doesn't really matter. And Fuck I off. think we all you have to agree, die. ISIS have been quiet lately. So ISIS yeah. have been quiet lately. Well, they're yeah. on loan, aren't they? At, a time. <laughs> <laughs> At Udinese. Oh, I know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, was that? Did uh, did Boko Haram go the other way in the move? Yeah. Oh, I should say we were linked with Boko Haram. I think that would have been a good move yeah, for yeah. us. Oh. Well, yeah. I was about to do an awful joke then, but um, we'll wait until you're off the pod and then then tell us secretly. That's yeah, fine. You can have that in um, in. Uh, We'll release that on Natter Nights. We'll release that for all our Patreon supporters. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you very much, uh, Dave Watson. Thanks, Fergus. Thank you to you, Paul Dillon. Thank you. And thank you to you, Steve Bruce, for everything you do. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. Sports Social Podcast Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.